Hey, good morning, you guys. Good morning. Good morning. I hope that you are uh, doing well and uh, growing in your faith, growing in your love for Jesus, and uh, growing in His Word. Like, His Word is growing out of us, coming to life in us. And I hope each Sunday when we dig into this uh, book, 1 John, talking about all in, I hope it's, it's uh, growing in us. It's just like causing us to grow up because it's adding to our faith, like strong building blocks of faith and truth uh, that our lives are, are being fortified by God's word. I hope, I hope that is happening as we are becoming all in. A couple things to let you know about. We are trying to love our neighbors. We had an amazing event out here. Uh, the trunk or treat we did. We had more people at our trunk or treat this year than we have ever had. They just kept coming and we just kept giving out candy and hot dogs and playing music and just having fun with a, with a great group of people. A lot of fun, loving our neighbors. That's what uh, that was about, the trunk or treat. We have a men's uh, ministry meeting coming up, breakfast guys. Love for you to come and uh, hang out with us and uh, just sharing that time. November the 11th, 9 a.m., you're welcome to join us. Uh, we're talking all in. And uh, John, John begins, uh, we're at the end of his first letter, and he's beginning to wrap up what he's been sharing with these Christians that are meeting in homes all around Ephesus. They're battling lots of things in their own world as this new church, the new the new movement of Christ is, is beginning to move out into the world. And uh, he's beginning to wrap up this letter. And so we're, we're uh, going to jump right in. We are in 1 John chapter 5. And we're going we're gonna to try to get through the first 12 verses of uh, John's letter today. And then we're going to finish his letter next week. And then we're going to move on to a new series topic. I know, it breaks my heart to be done or be at the end of John's letter. Uh, and he's got two other letters, uh, but we're gonna, we're gonna move on to a different topic as we begin to approach the holidays and the end of this year. And I'm looking forward to that series as it is beginning to take shape as well. But uh, here's what John says, check it out. And I hope you have your Bibles open. Like if you have your Bibles open and you're underlining and highlighting and circling like, Let's just be really good students of God's word. Like, don't just listen to it. Don't just hear people talk about it, but, but dig into the word because it isn't me that is gonna matter here. It's, it's God's word that is gonna matter. So, you know, when you have that and you're looking at that and you're digging into that and you're reading that along with me as I'm kind of talking about that, it will help. It will help, uh, it'll help add a solid foundation to what it is we're talking about. So open up your word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands... And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. 
This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, John, John doesn't like, John isn't like this fluffy kind of talker. Like John, when he when he writes, he is like, he goes from surface level to a hundred feet deep in that fast. Like he is down and getting into it fast. And it's it's not like be nice, be kind, share, uh, you know, share your things. I mean, you know, those things are great. But John just goes deep. He goes right deep into Jesus and who he is and why we need him and what it means to follow him and all these like really, really important things. John just dives right in. And, and what John is doing now at the end of this letter is kind of circles back on some things. He, remember we, we talked about this. He'll, he'll say some new things, but he'll, he'll, he'll add, uh, he'll, he'll bring back some old things that he's been talking about and he'll tie them together with the new things. And he keeps hammering them into our hearts, these, these repetitious type of truths that John wants us to get. Kind of like somebody training their heart and their mind to, to absorb or to know something, right? To know the truths of God. You, you keep bringing them into your life. You keep reading them. You keep meditating on them. Like, a, like an athlete who would uh, train their body to respond to a mechanic of some sort in a certain way. Like you just keep doing it over and over and you train yourself to naturally respond, <clears throat> whether it's baseball or basketball or football or whatever it is, you, you train yourself so you don't even have to think about it. Your body just naturally does it. Well, John is doing this with, his, with the Word of God because we don't naturally think like God. We naturally think very selfishly and worldly. And so John knows that if he keeps hammering these truths into our heart and our mind, we'll, eventually they'll kind of stick and they'll begin to grow and they'll, they'll begin to become more natural for us. Um, so along with uh, the reminders... Uh, the, along with the reminders that John is, is sharing in this, ch in this chapter 5, he is also adds some new details. And, and that's what I want to kind of like touch on is the newer details that he adds. Like an artist, John is painting this painting of Jesus and, and he keeps uh, um, bringing out more details, uh, new strokes, each stroke is a new detail and, and, it, and, it, and things begin to come to light and uh, you begin to see what John is talking about. Sometimes it may get a little confusing uh, as you think about what John is saying because he says so many things that it's like it's hard to get them all straight and put them in place. Kind of like a, a baker who is going to make a cake and they got all their ingredients and they just dump it into a bowl, you know, and it, it looks kind of like, okay, this kind of looks like a mess. And they add water and then they start mixing. Now it looks even worse because it's looking like a clumpy, muddy mess. But the more it gets mixed, the more it smoothens out. And the better it begins to look. And then you pour that batter into a cake pan and you bake it in the oven. And it is well blended. And it tastes delicious. And what once looked a little 
out of sorts has now taken on a whole new look and is very good. And that's kind of John. It kind of can look a little messy at times because he says a lot of things and you're like, whoa, what, what, huh? And there's all these truths that John is trying to share, but he's, in the end, you step back and you look and you, you can see what he's trying to do. He's got a lot going on. Um, and, and the key is with John's letters, don't get hung up on little details, like read the details, know the details, but, but keep stepping back and look at the big picture of what John is trying to do. So he's talking about what a Christian is. Like he's trying to, in this section, he's bringing it to us, like Jesus and now you and me. And he's trying to bring it home and he's going to do that here. And uh, he's going to talk about what it means or what makes up a follower of Jesus, right? Here's what he's going to, this is the pain that's slowly coming into view, right, of Jesus. And what he's going to really hit on in this first part of this section is what does a born of God person look like? Okay, what does a born of God person look like? Just keep that in mind as John is, as, as John is going through this section. What does a born of God, somebody who is given their life to Christ, they are born again. They are no longer born of the world only, but now they are born of God. They have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit has come into their life and they have been renewed. They're being transformed and their life is changing to become more like Christ. They've been rescued from darkness and they are now walking in the light. What, what does that person look like? What should they look like? John gives us some things that that person should look like or be about. I don't want to say act like because act is a bad word uh, as far as, you know, you just don't act things. You, you live them. You live them out. So this person reflects Jesus. And, and the first thing is this. He's going to give us four things and then we're going to hit the last part of the section. He's going to the first. First thing is this. First John chapter 5, 1a. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So very clearly, right off the bat, the first thing is a born of God person believes, first of all, that Jesus is the Christ. Now the Christ, Jesus the Christ, meaning Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. They believe. They believe. Everyone who believes. This is a verb. This is not a passive word. This is an active word. It is a verb that um, just like just like love is a verb to God, it's a verb. It isn't just I love you. It's, it's an active word that demands action. It demands a lifestyle. It demands that we do it. So if you believe, you will do something. You will do it. You will do belief. If you love, you will do love. You will, you will act on love. You will act out love. Not, it's not just a thought. This idea of belief. It's more than just a thought. Like it isn't just believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're good to go. That's, there's more to it than just a thought. This is a, a commitment and a devotion to line yourself up under the Lordship of Jesus. I believe in Jesus and I am going to line up under his, uh, his Lordship. I am going to submit to the authority of Jesus. He is boss, he is king, he is God, he is everything. And I am going to now obey his 
teachings, if I believe that Jesus is the Christ, then my entire life, all in, is going to line up underneath Jesus. A follower of Jesus is one born of God who is sold out to God. They have crucified themselves. They no longer live. It's all about Jesus and me. And the things of the world we now consider rubbish. We have come to understand that the stuff of the world, money, cars, boats, houses, our toys, our stuff, is rubbish in comparison to the treasures that we have in Jesus. We use these things to reach other people. We use these things to, to advance the kingdom of God. But we know that in the end, they are going to be destroyed. We are not taking them with us. And we know that they're just tools to be used for now. A born of God person, first of all, believes that Jesus is the Christ. And they line their life up under him. And they have the proper, the proper view of the world. And they have a proper view of who God is and my place in his kingdom. Secondly, secondly uh, verse 1, part B says, And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. So secondly, a born of God person loves the father and his child. Love the father, okay, we kind of get that. We love God, father God. We love him, not for what he does, but for who he is, that he loves us, that he's a good, good father, right? We love God because he treats us like his children, because he created us and we wandered off and we rebelled and we said we're doing it our way. And he lovingly, patiently sends his son to die on a cross for us because he has compassion on us. He sees us lost and he comes to rescue us. He sends his son Jesus to rescue us because he loves us. And so he is, it's not just about what he does, but it's who he is. He's a God of compassion and love. But who is the child here? This is the question. Who is the child that John is referring to in this verse? And it's not really that it matters that much, but it's just interesting that he said it the way that he does. Because we're, we're to love them all, right? We're to love everybody. We're to love the child. We're to love God's children. We're to love others. We're to love our neighbors. We're to love Jesus. We're, you know, we're to love every, everyone and everything anyway. But is John talking about his child as in Jesus, or is he talking about his child as in people who are now born of God? Good question, right? Who is the child that John is talking about? Well, he is talking about, um, he's talking about children of God, born of God. That's what the, if you look at the context, like you see what, what he's talking about. It should read, everyone that loves him that begat loves him also that is begotten of him. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a tongue twister, right? Everyone that loves him that begat also loves him that has been begotten of him, right? That's just kind of even a little more confusing, a little brain teaser there. You, I look at this and I go, okay, I, I kind of see what this means, but it's a little bit weird to grab onto. 
The English, uh, the very plain English would say this. Everyone that loves God loves also the child born of God. And that makes it literally, everyone that loves God loves also the child that has been born of God. And this is what John's talking about. What does a born of God person look like? And he's talking about you and me. He is not referring, okay, he's not referring to the only begotten Son of God, because we know that that would be Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. So when we hear about Jesus begotten, it's always the only begotten Son of God, and it's always talking about Jesus. But he's talking about those who have been begotten of God or born of God. From last week's message, if you say you love the Father, then you will love his kids as well, right? So he's talking about his children. He's talking about if you love God, if you love the Father, then you will love God's church, his people, his children as well. It's a both thing, right? Like we talked about last week, love God, love others. If you love God, you will love others. And if you are loving others, you are loving God. They go hand in hand. It isn't one or the other, it's a both. Number three, a born of God person, number three, carries out his commandments. Carries out his commandments. Look what John says, this is how we know that we love the children of God. This is how we know that we love the children of God. So there's the context again of the child Jesus, or John is talking about here is God's children that have been born of God, okay? This is how we know we love the children of God, by loving God and by carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. That's a good word, right? In the very same way that loving God is loving others, we just talked about, we talked about this last week. Loving God is also obeying his teachings. It's, it's, it's always interesting to see this in the Bible, that loving God means more than just saying, I love God. And you can't just say you love God and not have certain things in order in your life. They, they, go, they go together, okay? Like love. If you say you love God, then you better love people. That, that's a category you better be doing. If you're not loving people, then no, you don't love God. And now he says, if you love God, you will obey his teachings. Now, his teachings are about loving, loving people, right? But it's more than just that. It's more than that. It's, a, it's about obeying his commands. So in the same way we love God, we love others. Loving God is also obeying his teachings. You obey, you obey, you love God. You love God, you will obey. You cannot say, I love God and not obey his teachings. Let me say that again, because this is, this is kind of a big deal in the church, especially in today's modern church where, where so many people just think, you know, how the gushy side of God that we talked about that came up a lot, that, that, that there's this gushy love. I'm romantically in love with Jesus, with God. 
And he doesn't expect me to do anything. I'm just floating on the cloud of his grace. You know, that, that attitude that wants to say, there's nothing I can do. He just loves me. He left the 99. He came after me. He, loved, he puts me on his shoulders and he just carries me along. That all sounds great. And it's all partly true. It is true that God treats us this way. But God also expects as his children that we are going to live a certain way. And if we don't, well, John's going to tell us what we are if we don't. So, you cannot say that you love God and not obey God, his commands, his teachings, the word of God. So Paul, what Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, kind of rings true, that we are saved by grace. We're saved by grace through faith, our response to God, for good works. There's the action. So God acted, we respond to that, it's a free gift of God's grace, and now God's living in us, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to live my life like Christ. I'm going to be like Jesus to the world, and that is a very active thing. That has nothing to do with sitting around, sitting in a pew, and just listening to things. We are saved to do good. And so if you are saved, you'll do good. If you aren't doing good, you're not saved. They just go, they are, they're two sides of the coin. Samuel said, to obey is better than sacrifice. See, to obey God is better than lip offerings or empty offerings or our money or our tithes. God, God would rather you obey. And if you're going to obey then all these other things are going to fall in place. But if you put the other things first as if this is what I need to do to get God's grace, you've got it all backwards. We obey him because he's our father and we love him, right? God is all about love in action. And he's all about being doers of the word, doers of the word. He wants the work. What John is trying to get across right here is this whole truth about Jesus coming in the flesh, right? The incarnation of God. That God became one of us, right? That's what John's getting at in this whole letter about Jesus coming in the flesh. But here's the thing. If when Jesus comes into our life, we don't, we aren't, in a way, we're not Christ, I don't mean that, but in a way, if we aren't made, if we don't make Jesus real to the world, in other words, his incarnation now through us, in a sense, that, that we are becoming a little more like Jesus and, and we are impacting the world for Jesus and like Jesus. If that isn't happening, then we have missed it. If our lives aren't becoming like Christ, the one who became like us, then it's just empty religion. It's empty religion. And so anyone who says, grace, 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 it's all about grace, I don't have to do anything. Well, John and Paul and Peter and James and Jesus would beg to differ with you. And I would say that some have confused the difference between becoming a child of God and living as a child of God 
Both are as important as the other. You can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand, again. Both must be activated in our life. The coming to Jesus and his free gift of grace through my response, through faith in God and what he's done for me, that part I can't do anything but respond to him in baptism and repentance and in giving him my life and letting him come in and change me. But then the remaining in Jesus and Jesus' free gift of grace through obedience, by keeping his commands. I have to do both. So here's a statement. If a person has truly become a child of God, they will live like a child of God. And if you're not living like a child of God, you have never become a child of God. Right? Two true children live like true children. You're going to become a child of God. You have got to live. Your life should line up completely under the lordship of Jesus. John says the fact is love for God is to keep the commands. That's what John's been trying to say. You can't separate the two. You can't say, I love God and not keep the commands. And if you're keeping the commands, you love God. So John is saying, look, you got to have both. Both have to be evident in your life. The fruit of Jesus in you is obedience. The fruit of Jesus in you is love. The fruit that he's in you is action and Christ-likeness. And if that's not happening, then he's not in you. And then he says, this should not be a burden, right? This shouldn't be a burden to us. That word means uh, heavy or weighty or oppressive. Let me go back to it for you. That, uh, he says, uh, and his commands are not burdensome. It has to do with oppressive. Like this word, a burden, is something that's heavy, it's weighty, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's like oppressive on a person, a burden. And he says, his commands are not that. They're not that. They're, they're, they're very, uh, they're, they're light. They're, 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 they're easy, they're, re they're reasonable, right? His commands are like fluffy and, and they're good and they're right. They're, they might not be easy, but they are, they are possible. Nothing is impossible. And so John is saying, look, God's commands are not hard. They are a challenge. To love is a challenge. We talked about last week. It's the greatest challenge on the planet. But you can do this. You can do this. I love sponge candy. I don't know about you, but Buffalo, New York, we got pizza, chicken wings, and sponge candy, right? You can just live on, you can live on this, right? You can just live on sponge candy. And you only find it up north. It kind of originated up in New York, or at least came to this country through New York. I don't know. Uh, but Buffalo, New York, you can get the best sponge candy ever. And when you bite into a piece of, of, of good sponge candy, the real stuff, it's chocolate, is delicious, and the, the, the inside kind of uh, foamy, it just melts, it just melts in your mouth. It dissolves in your mouth. And you'll know if it's good sponge candy on how it dissolves in your mouth. 
it just, it just melts. Unlike some of the sponge candy they say is sponge candy that you buy anywhere else in the country that I've been, where it's like hard, it's like a rock covered in chocolate. Like it's hard, it's gooey, it's like hard taffy or hard caramel, and you just, it's just not, it is not airy at all. It's not good at all. It's the fake stuff. Well, God's commands, John is saying, they're easy for us to live on. They just melt in us, right? They just are fluffy and they're light. They're not a burden. The Cambridge Bible suggests that they are not a burden for two reasons. One, because God gives us the strength to bear them. His spirit in us allows us and helps us live out the commands. They're not that hard with the spirit of God living in us. We want to do them. If you find yourself forcing yourself to live a life to honor God, if you have to work at it like more than, and, and there's no joy in it, and you don't want to honor God with your life, then there's a good chance the Spirit of God is not even in here. You're, you're, you're just acting on a human impulse. If, if the Spirit of God is alive in you and He's transforming your heart and your mind and your body and your life, you welcome, you want to live a life that is going to honor God. And then it's not hard to do what God says. And secondly, he says, one, because uh, the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to bear them. And two, because love makes them light. When we are loving one another and we understand the love of God and we're loving God and we're obeying God, that makes everything easier. It makes it all easier. Unlike, unlike uh, what the religious leaders back in Jesus's day were pushing on the people, right? They were pushing on the people God's laws, but they were making them so hard. And that's why John uses this word uh, burdensome. Let me go back to it. This word burdensome, because they were putting heavy burdens on people. That's what Jesus even said to them. And Jesus goes on to say in Matthew eleven thirty, he says this, my yoke is easy and my burden is, is light. That's what Jesus says. Like my yoke, come on and yoke up with me, right? Big hunk of wood, two holes for two heads, oxen, cattle of any kind. You put them both in there and they work together as a team. Jesus says, you come up, team with me. My yoke is easy and the burden is light because I'm going to help you carry it. That's what Jesus says. I'm going to, I'm going to be there for you and do it with you. Number four, for everyone, everyone born of God, everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, we started with this, and we're going to end with this here on, on these four points right now. One born of God, a person who is born of God, number four, overcomes the world. This is the fourth thing John says in this little section about a person who is born of God. A person who is born of God and one born of God overcomes the world. See, our attachment to Jesus gives us the victory. The victory is Jesus's. We attach ourselves to Jesus. He comes and lives in us. And now we are part of the victory that is his. We overcome the world. He is 
the treasure. He is the power. He is the authority. He is the one that overcomes the world. And when I attach myself to Jesus, I hook onto him, then I'm included in what he is doing. And that is the victory that has overcome the world. And this is neat. Do you see the spiritual circle here that I just kind of alluded to? It's like Jesus starts with Jesus. You love Jesus. You're born of God. You obey. You love. You overcome the world. And it ends again with Jesus, the Son of God. It's a circle that, that we are truly, truly wrapped up in Jesus. We're wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in Jesus and Jesus alone. And we're gonna we're gonna wrap that up right here. Let me just close with this, okay? There's that next section I wanted to get to. We're not gonna get to that, but I want to get to this. John the Apostle, he is so passionate about Jesus. He's so passionate. He's so intentional about what we believe, what those believers are, are, are listening to and what they're believing and who Jesus is. They're, he's so, he's so like uh, intentional about it. And he gives us these, these two final verses at the end of this section that I want to share with you as he puts this bow on much of what he's been saying. These two last verses. And he's got, he's got some concluding remarks that we're going to get to next week. But here he kind of pulls it all together in this final truth that hits mankind. It hits us. It should hit us like, a, like an arrow or a spear right in the heart. Because, again, John doesn't pull the pun, any punches. He's not just smooth-talking us like many uh, uh, TV evangelists just... Patting us all on the back, telling us all you're going to be fine. We're all going to go to heaven and we'll see all of our, all those who have gone on before. This is not what John is about because the truth of the matter is not everyone is going to heaven. And John is about to spill the beans right here in these last couple verses of this section that we've been digging into. And and, and there's no way to misunderstand this truth, okay? Here it is, verses 11 and 12, okay? We just skipped a little section. We'll hit on that next week, and then we'll finish the book, or the letter. But here's those two verses that John shares. He says, and this is the testimony, okay? And we, we just skipped over a part of the testimony, uh, about the three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood that testify who Jesus is, that he came in the flesh, which is what John is trying to help his readers understand that Jesus did come in the flesh and that, that the people that are in, around the church, the Gnostics of their day, that first century, are trying to tell people that Jesus came, but he wasn't physical, a physical body. And John the whole time has been saying, yes, he is. I saw him. I witnessed him. I heard him. I, 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 I touched him. We ate together. I watched him do miracles. John is saying Jesus very much came in the flesh. And then he concludes with these two verses on this little section. He says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. God's given us eternal life. And this life is in Jesus. It's in the Son. This life is in Jesus who came here. 
Eternal life has come in the form of Jesus. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way. There's no other way you're going to get to heaven some other religion. That's just not the case. It is a lie from the devil. There is only one way, and the testimony is that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. And then he says, he who has the Son, he who has Jesus, has accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're, you're living in his love, you're living in obedience, you're all in with Jesus. He who has the Son has this life. And he who does not have the Son does not have eternal life. The conclusion to that is eternal death is what you do have. You either have Jesus and you're all in and you're safe and secure from all alarm and you're headed for heaven even now, eternal life is yours. Or if you've never accepted Jesus, you don't have the life. And that's what John is trying to say. What you have is death. You're living in death. Because sin has separated you from God, and you are going to die separated from God, separated from life. You're going to die in your sins, and you're going to be in hell forever and ever, eternally in hell, apart from God. Not because God doesn't love you, but because you have never responded to his grace and his free gift of Christ and eternal life. And so I would say to you, if you have the Son, you have the life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the life. And that's not a very wise way to live our lives. There are only two places to be, and that is all in or all out. There's no part way, one way or another. We are either all in or we are all out. This is what John is trying to help us understand with passion, with love, with concern, and as an apostle, he just wants his people to understand completely that their only hope, and your only hope, and my only hope, is in Jesus. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week, and we'll see you next week. We're going to finish uh, 1 John chapter 5. God bless.